Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Next on and lucky last is Pip Taylor. She'll be discussing the different touch points for a sports dietitian working in high-performance sports. So tune in for all the practitioners listening in. Thanks for jumping on, Pip. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Let's uh, start with tips for, for new dietitians working in high-performance environment. Yeah, look, I think it's, um, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a big question. Um, and you can see, you know, tonight there's five dietitians on here who have talked really broadly, all of these from different points of view. You know, we've, we've heard about game day and that pointy, pointy end of performance and fueling and what that looks from a, a physical and, and cognitive perspective. Um, we've heard about injury recovery and, and injury prevention and return to play um, and also immune function. We've heard about body composition and, you know, the chat too around what, what should we be looking for? And, you know, even even your question response too about, Jack, about um, building muscle mass and what's appropriate or, or not appropriate across the length of an, of an athlete's development life and what stages they're at, what positions they're playing. Um, and we've heard too from Simone, you know, on this um, cooking skills and shopping and nutrition education. So I think, and, and even all of those topics, as broad as they are, are only just starting to scratch the surface of what dietitians actually do. Um, you know, we've got, um, you, you're talking about sleep, um, gut health, the more clinical side as well of dietetics. Um, and I think that that starts to give a really clear indication of of one, all of those areas, but two, the broad understanding that you need to have. So I think if you're a dietitian looking to get into sports, it's understanding not just not just your knowledge, but how you fit into the bigger picture as well. You know, you've got to be able to engage with your S&C staff. You've got to be able to engage with a sports psych um, who in that environment, that's, that's a very different environment too, to a clinical setting. You've got to be able to have the language to talk to a, um, to a coach or, or a high performance um, manager and, and understand the bigger picture of things so that you're not going all in all the time pushing nutrition as, as a priority for an athlete because that's not always going to be the case. Um, and even if it's you can see as it, it as being a priority for that athlete at that point of time, it still may not be the time and place to be having that conversation. So I think it's, you know, understanding that that whole environment um, in, a, in, in a really in-depth way, understanding the strategy behind the game so that you can have conversations with coaches as well. You know, what it, what is it that this athlete needs to do to get to the next level? It might not be directly food-related. It might be that they, you know, their skill execution needs to, to really step up a level. So it's then you taking a step back and understanding, well, how do I fit into this piece of the puzzle and what other conversations do I have to have with, with other staff members? Um, and I guess from a dietitian's perspective too, again, that's one piece of the puzzle. In that, in that club environment, there's other touch points that an athlete even may not be aware of. You've got conversations that you're likely to be having with um, 
with, with food service, whether you've got a club or what you're organised, journal and the logistics and the operation around that, you're probably having conversations with with commercial as well, um, and different different suppliers and different different supplements and supporters in that sort of space. Um, so it's you know it it is a very varied role, um, and it's it's really understanding how you fit into all those conversations. Yeah, I love that. So it's you're not always just pushing your agenda all the time. It's knowing how important that is for that that individual's development plan and. Like you said, if the tactical sort of technical side is an area that they're putting all their energy in, you're probably going to not waste your time, but focus on someone else who really does need your time and energy in terms of you know moving the needle for their performance. Um, in terms of the tips for um, for using those different touch points that you mentioned on, um, in your experience, what what are, what are some effective ways that you can yeah be effective with your time? I guess. Yeah, I think. Again, I think it's, you know, we come, there's probably this old school view that dietitians are, are either the food police um, or we look after body comp and skinnies. Um, and as even, you know, Ben spoke about when he was speaking about skinnies, that if, if that is the component that you're chasing, thinking this is the way I'm going to get booked better, then you really are missing the bigger picture because it's, it's so much more um, holistic approach than that. Um, so I think if you know if you're if you're a coach or if you're a, another high performance support staff in that in that environment, if you're not asking your dietitian, you know how can I get this athlete to sleep better, or this athlete's coming injured all the time, um, or this athlete seems to get sick all the time, if you're not including your dietitian in those conversations as well, you're really getting you know just a really finite amount of the expertise. That you could be getting from from your dietitian, so it's it it's you know it's a. I guess for me, I listen to these guys talk tonight, and you talk about everything is so individual, all of these touch points, and you then think about an AFL environment and team, or even any club sort of team. You're talking up to fifty guys. Um, you think about, about the number of conversations and the amount of support that could be happening. Um, really, it, pull your dietitian in more. Embed them in that team. Invest in them um, because they will have contributions to add to every single area. And how, yeah, so from the dietitian's perspective, if they are getting a bit of a roadblock due to the leader in that environment, have you been able to influence that situation and, and turn it around or is it a matter of uh, wait for a new boss? <laughs> it can be a little bit of both. It, it's it's certainly challenging. And to be fair too, you know, I understand that teams have, have budgets as well. Um, and I guess, you know, if you, if you are a team operating under a budget and you're a dietitian coming in with limited hours as well, it's finding where, where's your bang for buck. And that mm. has to be the health of an athlete as the priority. So, you know, dealing with dealing with an athlete's health first, and that might mean that you're missing out on all the performance, actual performance, um, but you're at least starting to get this, this education based and, and have these touch points of, of health to build it from there. And, you asked a really uh, question there, Jack, Bo. What was that? <laughs> you asked a really hard question, and I have to say it's, <laughs> you know, dietitians probably battle all the time. Um, and, and we probably have to do a better job too of educating everyone else 
about all of these touch points and how we operate and how we can add, you know, value into every area. Yeah, yeah, because it is. It's such a unique environment. Everyone is strong-willed and wants more time with the athletes and it's there's there is some it's competition I guess so uh, it's a game um, that we're all playing um, and, and it is a two-way street the leader obviously is it's a big part um, but I guess like you said that it also has to come from the dietitian as well in pushing their case and, and showing their worth um, which yeah. which is challenging to do. It, it does. And I guess, you know, and this is this is probably advice for dietitians, but as well as broader staff is that sometimes the message doesn't always need to come from the dietitian. You know, for instance, if you're working on, on a rehab plan and you're working really closely with the physios, a lot of your work may may almost be happening a little bit in the background. And so that that message is delivered as, as one message. Um, and so from an athlete's perspective, they're not being hit by, you know, five different staff with five different messages all at once. Um, so it's it's also being smart about your pro- approach and understanding that you are not always necessarily the athlete facing side of every situation all of the time. Yeah, that's such great advice because it, it might even just be a personality thing. Like we're not going to, yeah. uh, as much as we love to feel like we're, you know, uh, yep. We're going to get along with everyone. We, we every, there is personality clashes, and uh, it doesn't matter what your role is within the team. If you can uh, use a, a leader that they look up to, or um, another practitioner that they have a good relationship with, that they've been with for years, and leverage that, uh, at the end of the day, the the athlete's getting better, which is what we're all trying to do. So uh, that yeah, that's really great advice for for all practitioners listening, uh, and even maybe leaders, players as as well. Um, in, what about some common mistakes? Uh, either that you, um, you've learnt from early days, um, and how did you correct them? Or pra- you've, you've you've heard mentoring other practitioners, and um, yeah, common mistakes for for I guess those cutting their teeth. Yeah, look, I, I mean, every everyone's still learning all the time. I've learnt things tonight from listening to the other dietitians here as well. So I think that that's that's always important is to never feel as though you either have all the answers or you have to have all the answers. There's nothing wrong with saying, oh, you know what, I, I don't actually know that, um, but I can go and find that out or I know who to talk to about that. That's that's always the best approach. And, you know, athletes, are um, they're pretty good at seeing through you as well. So if you don't know, you don't know. Um, don't, don't tell them that you do and bluff your way through. Um, I think, you know, over time things things are certainly um, evolving as well, but I think probably the, the biggest piece of advice is exactly what, what you alluded to, Jack, that everyone in there is um, has got eyes and ears um, and everyone from a sport support staff and an athlete perspective has something to add to that. So the more conversations that you're having, the more relationships that you're building and, and the more, I guess, open collaboration you can have, um, across things. I know, you know, everyone likes to stay in their line and stick to their area of expertise, but the reality is that you need to collaborate on all of those touch points as well. Mm-hmm. So for the strength and conditioning coaches listening, how, 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 what are the best S&Cs that you've worked with that have really supported and, and collaborated effectively with? Is it um, t- touching base with you maybe 10 minutes a week and working, okay, with this player, what are we trying to do? And then, you, you know, if they're spending hours in the gym with them, they're, oh, how are you going with Pip with your, 
with your um with your meal planning or with those new recipes you're trying to learn how to make is is, is it almost acting as a bit of a uh, having those conversations or is it better to leave those like how, what where do you see um the best i guess successful relationships from a practitioner point of view yeah, but- that, that can certainly vary a bit as well. Um, but I think, you know, certainly that the conversations where you're able to have that chat with the SNCs and you're able to understand, you know, because it's very different too. And sometimes you'll have an athlete coming to you, to you and saying, I, I want to put on muscle mass or I need to put on muscle mass and without any other explanation behind that. So then you as a dietitian, you're actually going to the S&C and saying, you know, the athlete has said this, how does that fit in a bigger context? You might be having a chat with a coach as well um, because, you know, we, we've all seen it before too, an athlete hearing something from someone and having a complete um, misinterpretation of, of what they're actually hearing and what that should be should be looking at. Um, but, you know, the, the, best, the best relationships with S&Cs are one where they they trust you as well, um, and you can you can talk to them about you know which which athletes are we looking for more um, power development, um, which ones are we looking to put to put muscle mass on, um, and then bringing into that conversation too, what does their history look like from an injury and loading perspective? Is this going to be appropriate? Um, and and I always find too that you know the best the best conversations are ones where each other the the two staff from different modalities are actually asking devil's advocate questions of each other. Um, and there's, you know, there's there's no there's no offence there um, and you can just, just get on and have a proper conversation and, and get a solution. Amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing that, Pip. It's, a, yeah, it's an interesting topic. It's one that um, I'm happy that you uh, you came up with and it's a good one for, for the practitioners for us to talk about, like you said, uh, internally but also... Uh, in this situation as well in a public forum and, and no doubt the athletes as well to, to get an understanding of how hard practitioners are trying to, to do to help and, and the care that goes into it. Where's the best place for those that want to um, touch base with you? Where's the best place to find you? Oh, um, yeah, you can find me through my website, which is just piptaylor.com. Um, but most of my current nutrition info and comes through um, Pillar Performance. So you can follow follow them, website and socials and You'll see more info there. Yeah, we'll add them all in all the links in the show notes, guys. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as a QA segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, like game changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes. And, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or 
through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man that. Uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was, uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was, you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker, um. And yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.